please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Today's reading comes from 1 Kings 2, 1 through 4. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. This is God's word. Amen. Mac family, you can be seated. Thanks, Brother Joseph. I um, get a chance to be very observant when I drive through our neighborhood. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse sometimes. Since I was a kid, wherever I drive, like, I just notice everything. So on Mother's Day weekends, like, I notice brothers walking to the streets like, flowers, roses, what you need, I got them. They'll stop your car. It's a bunch of U-Hauls off to the side. They got the dough up, all these baskets out. What you need, brother? Chocolates, roses, perfume, I got it. This weekend, I rolled up. Gas station had a bag of chips with a sticker on it that said, Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Yo, we, 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 we get our fix in different ways, and that's, that's cool. We get celebrated in different ways, and that's cool. And we pray that as Mac Church wants to celebrate you, fathers, you feel honored today. It's a different way from our sisters. We pray we hit you, hit you strong. Either way, let's pray. God, we thank you for today's word. Would you help us to be able to learn from it, connect with it, that we might glorify you, but be able to experience your peace and joy on this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I was able to rekindle the relationship I had with my dad. Uh, We had had a, a rocky relationship for a good amount of my life. And, uh, and then since my wife and I got married, the Lord has really done some amazing rekindling. And I feel as if my relationship with my dad is way stronger than I could have ever imagined it. But there was a time when I, I wondered, like, man, what, what would take place if he was to say his last words to me? Like, I, as a dad, when we were estranged, what, what would be the words that he would impart to me to, to keep living out a godly life when at that time it wasn't, wasn't a strong relationship? It's interesting that we find this happen a couple of times in the Bible, and today we're actually going to look at a father give his last words, if you will, his, this is what I want you to be about as a man. This is what it looks like to be a father. This is what it looks like to continue on the fatherly walk. If you would turn with me to 1 Kings, 1 Kings, it's in the earlier part of the Bible in the Old Testament. We're going to look at chapter 2. 
First Kings chapter two. And we're just looking at the first four verses. And while my sisters, you are present and kids, you are present. This is directed towards the fathers, but we pray that it it blesses and encourages you as well. First Kings chapter two, verse one. When David, when David's time came to draw near, he commanded Solomon, his son. He commanded Solomon, his son, and then he says some different words. And basically what's happening now is David, this amazing king, this man after God's own heart, not a perfect man by any means, but he is now about to pass. And he looks at his son. And he's saying, son, I'm going to hand the baton. I'm going to be passing on the God-centered traits. There's some authority that I want to pass on to you. There's some fatherly-like qualities, some leadership that I want you to be able to embrace. And here they are. Look with me in verse, in verse 2. He says, be strong. And show yourself a man. Be strong and show yourself a man. The definition of of being strong means to to actually have a a physical ability to carry something that's heavy. Or it means to be able to have the ability to withstand great force or pressure. Be strong, my son. It's interesting that nowadays sometimes we have to like... I find myself being careful to say men be strong because masculinity has damaged the word strength. And so in an attempt to not make anyone feel like masculinity is dominating or as if women can't be strong, we sometimes, I sometimes will pull back that term. But I think that term is beautiful. I think strength is a beautiful trait and it is something that that God uses to describe his missional people and a challenge that he gives to men. It should not mean that men are the only ones who can be strong, nor does it mean that men can then lead with a tyrannical arm, but it does get fleshed out a bit. It does get fleshed out a bit and, and, and this first understanding of what strong means connects back to a situation that happened between another leadership handoff. And that was with Moses and Joshua. Look with me, because strength is going to be played out in three ways. Strength is played out through leading, through living, and through loving. Leading, living, and loving. Look with me at Joshua, oh, excuse me, um, Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses has passed on, and now the people of God need to be cared for. And God speaks directly to Joshua and says these words in verses 7 and 8. He says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. Joshua's strength 
This strength that David is telling his son Solomon to have, this strength is not a strength for selfish purposes, but it is a strength to be able to care for others. It is a, a strength of leadership that was connected to God's mission. So he's saying you're going to have to be strong, carry some stuff that's going to be heavy. You're going to have to be courageous, take some risks and some steps that you're not used to taking. Why? Because I want my people to get to a promised land. And I'm calling you to lead them. I'm calling you to step up and to care for them. I I ask some of you fathers, where does God want your family? I ask you, fathers, if you could imagine for a minute your family thriving at its highest potential on all cylinders, amazing, what would that look like? Are you willing to provide the support, the help? Are you willing to actually put limits on what your family can do in order to achieve that goal? Are you willing to lead with strength and courage? That your family might be able to fully thrive. Strength is not a, a trait used for our own selfish ambitions, our ability to puff ourselves up. No, God's strength is used for God's mission. And one of God's mission is to repopulate the earth with image bearers that flow from families. And so God is saying, I need you to be strong. So be strong and lead. But next we see in this next verse, in verse 8, it says, be strong and live. Verse 8 says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you and he will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. See, the strength that he is calling us to is not a strength that's isolated By yourself. It's a strength that flows out of you living in the presence of a holy God. He says, I'm going to be with you. (laughs) This journey for the 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 getting my people to this promised land, this journey that these people are going to have to go through this, this ups and down, these trials and craziness. I am going to be the one who is with them. I will be with you. And so the strength that I am asking you to have is a strength where you are leading them, but you are drawing from me. You are living in me. You are dwelling with me. I never forget. um, And and, and maybe you've you've seen this before. Uh, you, you, You might have a friend or two that can like lift weights and they work out and they're like crazy fit. Got a homie that like, you know, he don't play like he gets the weight and he isolates the muscle. So it's like the perfect motion, perfect motion. And then I'm like, hey, man, can you help me carry this desk in the house? Cool. We go to grab the desk. This brother can't even pick up the desk. Because, <laughs> see, some, sometimes the way in which we, we work out and we practice and it, and, it, and it actually can be really for us. But no real good out in God's world. 
You see, this strength is not a strength that's meant to puff us up. It's a strength that's meant to point back to God as we're saying, God, we want to be leaders for you, leaders for our family. We want to dwell and be in your presence. And the only way we can lead well with this strength and be courageous is if we are living in your presence. But lastly, be strong in love. We look back at, 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 at David's life. And all of these examples can point back and connect to David. I know I got y'all flipping a bunch today. It will be up here. We're going to read some of it. But if you could turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24. It's an example of, of David loving. We're going to look at 24 starting at verse 3. 1 Samuel. Um. Verse three, this, this is a situation where where Saul is the current king. Saul is ready to take out David. He's become jealous of David. The people were celebrating like, yeah, man, Saul killed 10,000 people. David, 100,000 people. And they're like, what? Saul, like I'm the king. You're going to give praises. OK, cool. Sorry, my son. You got to go. So we enter the story where Saul is chasing and trying to kill David, but God has told David, David, you are going to be my anointed son. Don't worry, in due time, you are going to be the king. What movie is that, Charles, where you're the chosen one? What's that from? The Matrix. Come on, man. You, my, you know you my movie buff. Let's do this. Um, i put him on the spot, y'all. Um, Golden Child. I want the knife. All right. Um, so, so we enter this story with Saul trying to kill David. And, and look what happened, starting at verse 3, chapter 24. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Saul needs to go into the cave. He leaves all of his army to go to the bathroom. Now David and his men were sitting in the inmost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, here is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Basically, the crew said, look, God just gave us Saul into your hands. We in the cracks hiding. Saul comes in by himself. The whole crew is here. God just delivered him over to you. Let's do this. Then David arose, uh, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand and you shall do it to him uh, as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So basically, he then says to his crew, no, 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 sorry. Basically, he cuts off a piece of the robe, takes the robe, then feels bad. Feels bad that he even cut the robe of God's anointed man, the man who was trying to kill him. And he basically goes back and forth, shares with Saul, Saul, I got your robe. I could have killed you. I could have hurt you. 
And in verse 16, as soon as David had finished speaking these words, Saul said, is this your voice, is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his eyes and wept. And he said to David, you are more righteous than I. You have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. Look at look, look at how jacked up this situation is, because you and I know we would have been David's crew like you better get him. We would have been like, why am I hiding in this cave if you ain't going to get the man? (laughs) What? He right there. And you feeling bad about cutting his robe? But see, David loved Saul, but his true love was unto God. And it takes great strength, great courage to be able to look at everybody in the room and say, nope, I'm not going to do that. Because I got to answer to God because I'm serving God because God has told me something. And that might mean that I got y'all all out here. And I know I told you this was what we're going to do, but he told me we're going to do something different. And I got to be obedient. And, and, and fathers, sometimes that's a lonely place. It's lonely when we look around and see our our brothers on the right, even our families on the left, and we feel alone. But find rest, find peace, find solace in knowing that you are not alone. For God sees you worshiping him. And to make decisions like this means that your strength comes from a place where you are loving God even above people. And so, fathers, we are called to lead called to live in the presence of the Lord and called to love God well. So be strong, he says. Be strong. But next he gives a little bit of, a, of, an, of internal wisdom because strength is always used for a purpose. You don't, you don't just have strength to, to keep it within. You actually have strength so that it can be expressed But here he shifts a little bit for an internal change that he wants to see happen within his son. He's saying, son, you got to be strong and courageous, but let me show you the root. Let me show you the foundation. Let me show you what girds your strength. Look with me at verse three. He says, and keep charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do wherever you turn. It's pretty clear. First, we're to be strong. Second, we're to know God and act on what you know. Fathers, know God and act on what you know. I love that this verse is like crazy repetitive because, brothers, we miss it. We don't get it sometime. I remember a homie called me up like, hey, man, you know, um, I got this friend who's a girl and uh, she calls me pretty frequently. Um, you know, whenever I'm performing at the jazz club, she'll come out to the jazz club and be of an encouragement. Man, when I when I say a joke, she laughs at all my jokes. You know what I'm saying? And uh, man, like whenever I need her, she's there. Do you think she likes me? Laugh at all your jokes, bro. You know, like, <laughs> come on. Like, like we, as men, we miss the hints. And so he's saying it like 
four or five different ways. Just in case you just in case you're missing this thing, um, I need you to keep charge the charge of the Lord. I want you walking in his ways. I want you keeping his statute. In case you don't know what those statutes are, I want you keeping his commands. If you don't know what commands are, keep the rules, homie. If you don't know what those are, listen to the testimonies that people give about God. Some way you should be able to get that there's a set way of living that God has that might be different than mine, and I need to be following that set of ways. Let me give it to you clear so you don't miss no hints. I want you to be following that set of ways. And so what could those what could those ways look like? There's statutes, there's commandments, there's rules. There's a ton of things in the Bible. I'm going to just pick out four quick ones. You shall have no other gods before me. It's in Exodus 24, 20, chapter 20, verse 4. The, the idol of work, the, the idol of, of advancement, the idol of, of task and being able to start something and finish it and find joy in that, the idol of work. Doesn't mean that work has to be an idol. It just means that it can be a temptation for some of us and we need to make sure that we have no other gods before him. You shall not covet. We got we to gotta watch our eyes, watch our minds, watch what our minds think that our eyes might want to see. Watch what the eyes saw and make sure it don't get up to the mind. All of those things in between, we got to be vigilant about men. Because then these verses talk about the, the um, where violating these different statutes and commands lead. And God is trying to say, I need you men to be courageous. Here's the foundation for that correct courage. Honoring the Sabbath. What's it look like for us to rest well? Rest well in Christ. And lastly, what's it look like to have right perspective? to see situations as they are that we might be able to delight in them. Jenny, you might put on some air for me. Um, so I was, I, I don't remember when this was, but it was, it was a time in my life where like I was, I was really trying to be a good basketball player. I know I'm tall. You might assume some things, but you might be wrong. Um, but I, I love playing basketball. So I tried to practice this move and I, I would run fast with the ball, put the ball behind me, push it backwards, and then push it forward really quick and shoot. Now, if you bet me a million dollars a day, I can't do that move right now. But I spent probably three months crafting this move, crafting this move, crafting this move, until one day a homie slipped and bit it, put the ball there, he went for it, boom, 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 got him. And it was like, pray. It, it was, I was so hyped. So hyped. Wasn't praise the Lord in that time. You know, I, was, I had that Edith in me. I was heckling the brother. You know what I'm saying? Ah, I got you. You know, like, it was bad. But do you know, during that, during that three-month period of practicing, of trying to get, get that move perfected, 
I, I couldn't get the first move, which was dribble fast. I couldn't get the second move, which was through the legs. I couldn't get, it was, a, it was a hard process of training, of getting myself ready. And James just talks about our, our joy in chapter one, our joy being in having these crazy experiences, these trials and tribulations that show us that we are, we are gods, that God is in us. So with God being in us, we get attacked. And so my question to us brothers is, are we working out as if we're getting ready for the challenger? Are we preparing ourselves? Are we getting workouts in as if the defender is coming because he's coming? And when he comes, we ready. When he comes, we've been we've been training for this morning. When we when he comes, we now can have joy because we're like, oh, you coming with that? Short mini skirt. Oh, you coming with that opportunity for anger. You know what I'm saying? We we ready and we can stand back and be like, dang, God, I see you. Because the man I was three months ago wouldn't have been able to handle that or three years ago or 10 years ago. But I see you working and I can have joy because, man, I may not have done that perfect, but I did it better than I would have five years ago. You see, these are the statutes that God is trying to communicate unto us to say, fathers, build yourself up on these. I need you to be strong. I need you to be be reminded of my ways, my statutes, my rules, my testimonies. And then lastly, we're we're called to live and leave a legacy. Look in verse four back in. um, Back in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 4. That the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. This is a, this is a direct connection. This is David saying, uh, son Solomon, we, we got we to gotta keep a king on the throne. So this is definitely talking about direct throne succession. All right. But it's but it's a father speaking to his son. So it is still applicable. We are called to leave a legacy. I um, I was noticing some different stats when I did some research of just the effects from a worldly standpoint that fathers have when they are present in the home. From a, from a worldly standpoint, these are the effects that, that fathers have when they are in the home. You mind bringing those up for me, brother? Oh, that might not be as clear as... Y'all can see it? All right. So we got... You are... When a father is absent in the home... You're four times greater to experience poverty. Seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. Uh, More likely to have behavioral problems. More likely to face neglect. Uh, I did not realize this one until I, I saw this, but two times greater risk of infant mortality. 
more likely uh, to abuse drugs and alcohol, uh, more likely to experience incarceration. Uh, let me make sure I got this right. Uh, more likely to commit a crime, uh, more likely to suffer from obesity, and two times more likely to drop out of high school. This, this is just the world's approach to saying, how do we make communities better? So fathers, your presence is acknowledged even from statistical data, which means they're just validating what Jesus has already said. All right? We already know that. But this is something that I found uh, really, really uh, mind-blowing as it was not it was not my personal experience. This is from a brother named Nick Caddy who did a number of different studies and, and pulled together a lot of different data about the church. He says, a survey found that if a child is the first person in a household to become a Christian, there is a 3.5% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. If the mother is first to become a Christian, there is a 17% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. However, when the father is first, there is a 93% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. Now, I, I struggled reading this. Because as soon as I heard 93, I'm like, you know, you, you, you second guess. But, but, but when I paused and began to examine just my personal life and I thought of the friends that I have that are men that have come through the church and stayed with the church, all of their fathers were in the church. All of them. I don't have that. It, I, now, that's me. That's my personal example. And I got a lot of friends that came to faith afterwards and that whole night. I'm talking about as kids, though. And we knew he went to church and he didn't walk away from it. Dad was an example. And, and, and even if these numbers are, are a little, little off, let's say it goes down to 80. Wow. 70. Wow. We're, we're still seeing what an impact fathers get to have by just being strong. Loving the God well, living in the presence of the Father, being willing to lead, being connected to God's statutes, his ways, his rules, and saying, Lord, there's a legacy that's going to last way beyond me, and so I want to model it for my children. This was a, an, an open letter that, that I read from a sister named Linda Anderson in, in the Daily Bread, and what it did was it made, it made the uh, joy of fatherhood, but as well as the, the weight of fatherhood, feel more manageable. It made it feel like it's, it's, it's easily, a little bit more easier to grasp. Here this open letter that she wrote. She says, um, an open letter to, to the family of men. Uh, she was a blonde, she was blonde and beautiful with uh, blue eyes and a, uh, and a tumble of tawny curls. At three years of age, she would climb into her daddy's lap, snuggle up with a wide, satisfied smile and purr. 
This is my safe place. And so it was. Dads, husbands, you are the safe place. You are protector and provider. And when you gather us for a time with God, we need a safe place. A safe place, not a lecture. A safe place, not a sermon. A very human dad, a very human husband who simply cares about God and cares about us. We don't need or even want a spiritual giant. We just want you. And we need a gathering time with the phone unplugged where it's safe to say to each other, how are you and the Lord getting along? How can we pray today? We need a safe place to cry, to laugh, to sing, to rejoice, to challenge, to share, and sometimes not to share anything and that'd be okay. We need a time with you that's relaxed, unstiff, when we can pray honestly in simple sentences from our hearts, where it's unfixed, unrigid, might even be unroutine, but it's also unshackled. We need a place where irregular opinions are respected and where God has the last word. We need a gentleman leader, not a general, gracious, relaxed, human, a family shepherd who exhibits not infallible authority, but a thirst for God. Every day, not necessarily every. Should it be every day? Not necessarily. But should it be often? Yes. Does it have to be long? No. Where? Anywhere. How? You sense it. And where you lead, we will go. And you zero in, Dad. We may have heavy duty confessing to each other to do. uh, Or we might just have silent prayer. Or we might have exuberant prayer praise where we throw on some sing-along tapes and get our jam on. I added get our jam on. (laughs) Might be Bible study, but not every time. Thanks for listening, Dad. Thanks for listening, my husband. Remember, we need you. Signed, your family. Fathers, this is attainable. We can set this this safe place, but we can't do it in and of our own strength. It has to be a courage that flows from the Lord, and it has to be an equipping that flows from his word. Let us be men that don't feel like we need to walk this walk alone or isolated or need to be anything other than who we are with God in us to be faithful fathers. I'm excited to see where God continues to take our church. And sisters, I'm thankful for the ways in which you're celebrating our men today. Let's pray. Lord, you are our great hope. You are our peace. Would you, Father, allow for us to experience you, the best father in the world, while David is given this challenge to his son, David was, had some jacked up part of his, of his history. And Solomon did too. Nobody is good enough except you, Jesus, and we are thankful for you. But Lord, there might be some men present who hear and understand that you are good and that you can care for folks, but haven't accepted you into their hearts. I pray, Lord, that they would come up after service and talk to me. And I'll be waiting here for them, Lord. If they want to know more of you, about you, and fully submit to your ways, Father, lead them to come. But, Lord, some of us may just want to 
operate more fully in your presence, that we get that part of leading, we get the part of loving, but living and just dwelling in your presence might be difficult for us. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would fall, that you would help men as they seek you to experience you in those intimate, quiet times. Give us strength and the ability to fight for those intimate, quiet times. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.